You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. The title of my message this morning is, It's Who You Know. It's Who You Know. You know, in the world, who you know can be important. You know, you can uh, be applying for a job and there's 25 applicants. It's not looking good, but you happen to know the vice president. You maybe go up to your favorite restaurant and you realize there's a huge wait list, but uh, you know the manager. (laughs) Maybe you just went on a shopping spree at Nordstrom and you get up to the counter and your girlfriend that's working gives you her employee discount. It's who you know. That has never happened to me, by the way. That blessing has never happened to me. But if it's, I don't know if they're not, they're supposed to, so don't do that if you're not supposed to, to me, anyways. Um, When you need a new car and your brother-in-law is the general sales manager at a dealership, that does happen to me. And it may not always seem fair, but sometimes it comes down to who you know. But in the kingdom of God, who you know can mean a whole lot more than a Nordstrom discount. My first point that I wanted to share with you this morning is who you know can either lead towards life or destruction. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Thanks, Joel. (laughs) The word destruction is just so harsh. I just thought I'd lighten it up a little bit. But, uh, So I want some crowd participation right now. This is not a trick question. I know sometimes people like don't want to answer because they think they're going to be tricked. I'm not tricking you. So by a show of hands, do you want to live a destructive life? No hands, no hands. One person will pray for you after the service. So by show of hands, do you want to live a life full of true joy, abundance, and blessing? Raise your hand. Yes and amen. Look at you guys. You're so smart. You're so wonderful. Okay. So I don't know. Well, besides the one gentleman who's being funny, um, anyone in their right mind would want to actually live a destructive life. But so if that's the case, I think we need to ask ourselves, do the decisions we make each and every day and the relationships that we have lead us down a path of life? or lead us down a path of destruction. And I'm not necessarily talking about these huge, altering, destructive decisions we make. Like we start, there's two ways to go, life, destruction, and you're here, and then you make one decision, and you're like, boom, you're at the end, destruction. I'm not necessarily talking about those massive decisions today, at least, which I hope we avoid those. Um, But I'm talking about the little baby decisions we make each and every day that will eventually lead us down that path and we'll have the same end result. I'm talking about like the little white lies, the deception, the uh, flirtatious texts with that coworker, the lack of integrity in your business deals, the, uh, the party lifestyle, the use of these socially acceptable drugs that are out there right now. I'm talking about all those little decisions we make that is leading us to that end result. We don't get to make those kind of decisions and somehow think magically we're going to end up over here, the destination of life. But I'm not necessarily talking about those of us who are here that are saved, that have had forgiveness, 
and that are redeemed. Because those decisions may not lead you down a path of destruction and an eternity in hell, but they will rob you here on earth of the blessing and the abundance and the life that God has for you. So you really, you rob yourself when you make those decisions down that destructive path. And a lot of us are probably thinking, well, those things you mentioned aren't that bad. Like, they're not that bad. And maybe, maybe some are not as bad as others. But here's the thing. Do you want the fruit of those decisions in your life? Because there will be fruit. And I guarantee you, it will not be good fruit. You don't get good fruit and blessing from telling a lie. You don't get good fruit and blessing for uh, having bad and integrous uh, decisions in your business. Like, good things don't come from those kinds of decisions. They do not lead you down a life of blessing. But yet too many people think that they can make these little compromising decisions and, and that somehow you can keep going down the wrong path and that you are going to be able to avoid the inevitable decisions and the destination that those decisions have brought you to. It's impossible. That can't happen. However, of course, at any given moment, there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's a fresh start. You could be like almost to the end in that pathway of destruction, and you find Jesus, and you find forgiveness and salvation, and then boom, all of a sudden, you're on the path of life. Like, it's amazing. It can happen like that. So it's never too late to get on the right path. But as good shepherds, we always want to talk about those little compromises, those little decisions that we make that are leading us to nowhere good because we actually want you to avoid the pain and the suffering and the hurt that's involved with those kind of decisions. And while you may be able to jump past by getting forgiveness and avoid eternal destruction, you still have to deal with the negative consequences that came from those decisions. You can't be... You can't skip that process. So if you skip from destruction over to the path of life, you're still going to have to heal. There's going to be some transformation and some cleanup. And then those that you love also will need to be healed because when we do things like that, it never hurts just ourselves, does it? It hurts those around us. So the Bible says in Psalm 1, 1 through 6, in another version it starts out with blessed are those, but in this version it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked." They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. And so I think it's always a good idea to do a self-examination of our lives. And we need to ask ourselves these kind of questions. Do my friends or that one particular friend bring me closer to God or farther away from God down a path of destruction? Are the relationships that I'm involved with leading me to places and decisions that end up leaving me feeling guilty and shameful, or the places that my friends take me, do I feel full of life and freedom? Is that buddy encouraging you in your marriage, or is he causing problems within your marriage? Is that girlfriend building you up or tearing you down. Because 1 Corinthians 15, says, do not be misled. 
bad company corrupts good character. And in another version, it says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So the words misled and deceived, they are so powerful because we are deceiving ourselves. If we think that we can hang out with people with bad character, and then all of a sudden we're going to continue to maintain our own character and make good choices. It is, I'm not saying that you can't resist temptation, but the Bible actually says to flee temptation. So you can't keep continually putting yourself in compromising situations with those particular friends and not think that it's not going to rub off you, that it's not going to affect your good character. The Bible says don't put any confidence in the flesh. None. Zero. So we, if we keep doing that, we are, we are thinking like we can keep doing this on our own. The Bible says do not do that. Bad company corrupts good character. And this one, guys, Proverbs 18, 24. There are friends who destroy each other. Friend and destruction, it shouldn't go together. There are friends. We actually can have friends that will, we will destroy one another. Who you know and who you spend time with is so very important. But on the other hand, if you spend time with the right people and listen to wisdom and godly counsel and you're in the word of God, Psalms 1 will tell you that you will be like a tree planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit in each season. Your leaves will never wither and you will prosper in all you do. Doesn't that sound so great? Yes. Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise will grow wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So when you think about this, ironing sharpened iron, I have like two swords or knives, and you're... Okay, I don't know how to make the noise, so you're... Okay. Iron sharpens iron. Okay. So, sometimes when you are sharpening iron, sparks may fly. So, sparks may fly when your friend confronts you on your bad choices. Sparks may fly when they confront your victim mentality. Sparks may fly when they challenge you about the decision that you're making that are leading you down a dark path. Sparks may fly when they challenge you about that unhealthy relationship that you just started. Sparks may fly. However, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. In James 5, 19 through 20, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. So we need to stop being annoyed with that brother and sister in Christ that's all up in our business. They are up in your business because they are trying to save you from a path of death and destruction. We need to stop being annoyed with them and we need to start thanking them that they've saved us from that path. It is a good thing for a brother to sharpen one another and a sister to sharpen one another. It is a good thing for someone to challenge you on something that is leading you down a path where you don't want the fruit of that path. You should be thanking them for saving you from the path of destruction. So it's who you know that can keep you or lead you down the right or wrong path. Who you know is so very important. Amen? 
The second thing, who you know can bring forth your destiny. They can bring forth your destiny. You know, last week when I was um, helping message prep with all of our uh, nine new preachers, which was such an amazing uh, weekend last week, I was message prepping with uh, Pastor Jenny Irvin, and she was just sharing with me on the phone. She's like, I just can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm preaching a message my first time. I, I never would have thought that I could do something like this. She's like, with my past and everything I had to heal from, I just, I, it's, it's unbelievable to me that I'm getting this opportunity. And she said it wasn't until she came into this house and people started speaking life and encouragement and pulling out her God-given gifts, talents, and abilities that she finally realized that this is something she could actually do. And as she was sharing that with me, I just, I responded with this statement, I said, I, I wonder how much we don't yet know about ourselves because we haven't surrounded ourselves with the divine relationships that God has destined for us. What do we not yet know about ourselves that we haven't, because we haven't been connected to someone that can see, that can pull out the gold, that can help promote you and advance you? What do you not yet know about yourselves? I wonder how much of our destiny is actually wrapped up in other people? I would say most of it is wrapped up in other people. What about Esther? Would she have been able to lead an entire nation and save an entire nation, her people, if it wasn't for Mordecai, who actually speaks courage and faith and put a little bit of challenge on her to do so? Do you think that Ruth would have met Boaz without Naomi? What about Joshua? Could he have gotten the Israelites over into the promised land without Moses' leadership and example before him? I wonder if Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives would have been saved from the worldwide flood that killed everyone and everything if it wasn't for Noah. Or what about the lame man at the gate, beautiful? What would have happened to him if he didn't encounter Peter and John? And what about Timothy? Timothy was an incredible young man called by God to be a minister of the gospel, but he was untrained and underdeveloped. And so Paul came alongside of him, took him under his wing, and showed him how to do it. Paul took personal responsibility for the development of Timothy. And so I just am wondering now how many Timothys we have out there that are waiting for their Pauls waiting for their Paul to pull them under and show them how to start a business, to how to lead a business, how to be successful in the marketplace, to show someone, to develop someone, how to be raised up to be a minister of the gospel, to show that new mother how to be a mom, to show that new dad how to be a dad, to show these people the, the things we can see for them, but they can't see for themselves. There are so many Timothys out there that are looking for their Paul. And if you are a Paul, be looking for a Timothy. Amen? Do we have people that believe in us and see what we don't yet see about ourselves? Because I think in just ourselves, we can become so clouded and, and limited by our own insecurities and our fears and our anxieties. And, and we can put limitations of what we think we can and cannot do just by ourselves. So we really need people that can see the gold on the inside of us. We need people that will believe in us even when we've lost belief in ourselves. 
We need each other. Our destinies are wrapped up in one another. We really need people to believe in us. Oh. And I just really felt the Lord want me to just say this and then take a pause. That you are so much more than you realize. You are so much more than you realize. I'm going to say it again because some people still don't believe it. You are so much more than you realize. Real leaders, true leaders, can see beyond their natural eyes. So I really want to encourage our connect leaders, our team leaders, Christians in this room to be praying for those who God has entrusted to you. Be praying for those people to be able to see the gold that's beneath the surface, to be able to call out the gold on the inside of them. Pray and believe in them because honestly, maybe no one else ever has. Oh, in this age we live in, in the, in the lack of parenting and the lack of assurance and encouragement and all of this, there are some people that never have had anyone believe in them. And there are giftings on the inside of them. And they're, they're counting on you to see it and to believe in them and call it out in them. So be encouraging. Be affirming. Speak strength, courage, hope, faith. Speak to what you know they can be, even though it's not what you see right now. Speak to what they can be. Because it may be God has put you in their path to alter their destinies. You know, I love the passage of scripture in Judges chapters 6 through 8. And it's a really great story. You should read that um, later. But it's the story of Gideon. And Gideon is hiding from his enemies, the Midianites, in a wine press, like threshing wheat. Like he's a little scaredy cat. And he's just like trying to get enough food. Hiding. Hiding from the enemy. When an angel of the Lord appears to him and says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I'm like, wow, okay. So that's mighty, I don't know. So, and then this is Gideon's response. If you are with this Lord, then why has all this happened? Where are the miracles which our fathers told us about? The Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest, and I am the least in my father's house. <laughs> and this is the Lord's response. Go in this might of yours. <laughs> what, what, what the heck? What is God? I don't see anything mighty about his response. I see a wuss. But God's like, I see you. And I know you're a mighty man of valor. Go in this might of yours. He needed someone to believe in him that he had what it took. And God knew he had it. He just needed to speak it into him and pull it out of him. Because what Gideon then ended up doing was going out and defeating all the Midianites. And the Bible says that there was peace in the land for 40 years during Gideon's lifetime. Wow. God saw that he was mighty. He just forgot. And he called it out in him. And there was rest in the land for 40 years. I need you to know that God did not create you to be mediocre. 
He did not create his kids to be mediocre and just slide by and not have any impact. He created you, each and every one of you, to be mighty. To be mighty. He created you to flourish, to prosper, to take ground, to have influence, to do great and mighty things for the kingdom. He created you to plunder the enemy's plans and darkness and then and build the kingdom of God in the earth. That's what he created you for. He created you to stand out, to not fit in, to take ground and take territory and pull out people's destinies. Amen? And I just want to say this, if you don't believe that about yourself, if you just think I'm just trying to hype you up, then it's about time you start surrounding yourself with people that can actually see who God created you to be. Because you are more than you think. You are more than you think. It's the truth and it's who you're meant to be. You know, our story, Pastor John's and mine, before coming to Awaken 15, 16 years ago now, he was in real estate living his best life. I was a probation officer living my best life. We thought that that's, those are the careers we would have for the rest of our lives, and we were happy. We were fine. Never once did we contemplate, discuss, or desire <laughs> to be in ministry. I went to a Christian college, and they would have a week of a ministry fair, and I'd be like, this is the biggest waste of time. Because I wasn't planning on that. I was like, I'm not doing any of that. And so we were fine. We never thought about it, never desired it, nothing. But one day we walked into this house 15 years ago. And on the first Sunday, Pastor Leanne, who we did not know, we knew by name, we knew who she was, called us out from the last row in the auditorium, not knowing anything about us, and she prophesied over us. She said, you are called to be ministers of the gospel. You will be sent to break chains and to heal people across the nations. And she began to prophesy our future, and we were like, what? It was like, it was like we were like Gideon, like, what? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. We were like filled with insecurity, filled with doubt. Filled, we were completely unqualified. I know God qualified qualifies the call, but at that point we were really unqualified. Can I just say? So there was a lot of training and development and growth we had to do to fulfill that destiny that's been being spoken over us. But we were committed to the process. Not initially, we were scared. But then because we were Gideon and because we doubted, God was so gracious and so faithful to us. So he sent many ministers after that prophecy over a period of six weeks. There was probably half a dozen, to be honest, that we didn't know they were traveling through ministers and they would preach. And every single one of them found us somewhere in the crowd. And they literally prophesied the exact same thing Pastor Leanne prophesied. We couldn't doubt it. We had to believe. And we finally realized that this was our destiny. And we just needed to be developed so we could do what God has called us to do. John and I had been in church our entire lives. And no one had ever seen what was on the inside of us until Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. There are people in this room, there are people in your connect group that have gone from church to church to church and no one has ever called out the destiny that's on the inside of them. I know my life is so much more full and blessed and John and I can't imagine doing anything else but this. I don't know if you feel the same if you're happy about my calling, but I feel like, I feel like I'm pretty nice and I'm a, fairly decent pastor, and I do love you. <sighs> My goodness. Cheers. 
So what do you not know about yourselves yet? Because you haven't surrounded yourself with people that can see. Who you know can bring forth your destiny. And the last point, point number three. It's who you know that can get you through the ups and downs. I think COVID was a big wake-up call for a lot of us. I think we realized how connected we were before COVID hit or how we lacked connection. You realize you weren't really known, that you hadn't really made connections to the people in the house of God, your brothers and your sisters, and you were really isolated during this season. But for those who are really connected beforehand and been vulnerable and shared their life with people in the church were very well looked after. And that is why it is our heart for you to be fully connected, to be known. Because I want to make sure, Pastor John wants to make sure, that each and every one of you have a community and you can look after one another when things don't go well in the earth. <laughs> but Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. And another version says, when he falls and he has no one to help him up, he is in real trouble. So woe to him who is alone. Woe to him who's isolated. Woe to him that is trying to do this Christian journey on their own. Because it's not a matter of if you fall. It's a matter of when you fall. Because we all fall at times. But when we fall, who is there to pick us up? Who is there to, to remind us of who we were created to be? Who is there to remind us of the things that we need to do to get back on the path of life? Who is there to remind us to not be beat up by the shame and the guilt from the sin that we engaged in? Who is going to be there when you fall? Because you will. But I know how the enemy works. He, he, he works overtime to try to keep us in hiding. Try to keep us. He convinces us that we can deal with our own struggles and our hardships and our challenges and our weaknesses on our own. He, can, he convinces us that we can fix our marriage on our own. He, can fixes, he, he convinces us that we don't need anybody. So he convinces us to keep wearing the mask and acting like you have it all together. Here's the deal. When you do that, you don't ask for help. So we need to take off the masks and actually ask for help. Build a community. We need each other. And I just wanna tell you, those of you who are wearing a mask, acting like you have it all together, spoiler alert, no one has it all together. No one, not even me. Hard to believe, I know. But I'm just saying. Nobody has it all together. Can you stop pretending? Stop pretending and be normal, flawed human beings like the rest of us. Because we're all flawed. We all have issues. We need to be normal, flawed humans. And we need to ask for help. We need to ask for encouragement. We need to get in community. And all the flawed humans said, yes. yes. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. And a brother 
is born for adversity. A friend loves you, but a brother is born for the day of adversity. There are people born in this house, your brothers and sisters in Christ, for the day that you experience adversity. There are people in here that are ready and waiting to pick you up, to fight for you, to believe in you, to hold you up when you feel down. In your day of adversity, there are people in this room that were born for such a time as this, for you, for you. I love that we have each other. And I think one of the most beautiful displays I saw of how amazing you all were is the last time I preached right before Christmas and God had shared in a dream to me about the message and how Pastor John and I were personally supposed to invest financially into any couple that was struggling in our church. And like I said in that message in the dream, I saw it all. I saw us handing out envelopes of money to anyone who came down to the altar. And then I saw myself in the dream inviting everyone else to partake who wanted to help these families in need. And in my dream, I saw people coming from every place in the auditorium and blessing these people. I saw people shoving money in pockets and they couldn't even contain the blessing. The only thing I didn't see in the dream and the thing I did not realize was the actual level and depth of generosity that you, the church, would show towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. There were people who had seven cents in their bank account, and they left with almost $1,000. There were people that didn't, they, I've had people saying, I was eating beans for two weeks. I had no money for groceries and I left with $1,600. We had people that left, they paid their rent and their car payment and their phone payment because they had been out of work. They're in the restaurant and they'd get like half a shift a week to do deliveries. There are so many people that were blessed so abundantly because of your love. Being there for your brothers and sister in their day of adversity, it was so powerful. We are supposed to be there for each other in our day of adversity. But it's not just for the hard times, is it? Because the Bible says how we're supposed to weep with those who weep, but also to rejoice with those who rejoice. Being able to rejoice with those that are rejoicing is so amazing. When we have someone that's got victory in an area of their life, who got the job promotion or the house or the car, or has been sober for a week and a month, and then a year, or someone that fell off the wagon but got back on. We get to celebrate with you. What a beautiful thing when you have a birthday, a success, that there are people here that actually aren't weeping when you're rejoicing because we're jealous. We're actually rejoicing with you when you're rejoicing. This is the first house that I've ever been a part of where we champion each other, that we truly are championing each other. And I think this is the first house where we can carry a competitive spirit because we're go-getters, but that we're not in competition with one another. We are not in competition with one another. Your success is our success, and my success is your success. It brings us no greater joy than to see people flourishing, to take this stage and share their testimony that's helping transform lives. It's our greatest joy 
to celebrate in your joy. We don't need to be jealous of one another. We can genuinely be happy when you are rejoicing. So we need people there for us when we're up, but also when we're down. That's what the church is meant to be. And I'm so grateful we're here meeting together so we can be here for one another. So I want to encourage you, especially if you're not yet in a connect group or on a team, someone that knows you, someone who knows what you're walking through, that can celebrate or help pick you up. I pray that today you leave known, that you sign up to join a smaller community of people that will be there for you, to support you, to love on you. I hear two main excuses why people don't join a connect group. One, I already have enough friends. Well, let's revisit point one. Are those friends leading you down a path of life or destruction? Which is a good little checkup. Two, people have spent so long hiding in their sin, they, f- they worry they might have to be, they'll be exposed if they go to connect. And they, and they say things like this, I don't know enough about the Bible. I think people have this weird idea that when we go to connect group, everyone knows everything about the Bible, and we know Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> we don't. We don't. That's not what we do. We love each other. We support each other. We have food together. We celebrate. We pray. We encourage. That's what we do. You don't need to know enough about the Bible before you go. How are you ever going to know anything if you never go? Go. Surround yourself with the right people. It's who you know. It's so important. So important. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's just give God some praise. God's so good. I'm excited for what's going to happen today. Amen. You know, last week we had 175 people sign up for Connect Group. And that's either individuals or families represented. How amazing is that? And I'm believing for that and more today. The people that were on the fence last week that you dive in this week and become known, be connected to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, so the title of the message was Who You Know. And I think the most important question is do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you been forgiven of your sins? Have you given your life to him so he can do all these wonderful and beautiful things in your life? So I would just love if everyone would close their eyes and bow their heads really quickly. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this room. God, for especially for those who don't yet know you as their Savior, that need to come to know you today. Lord, and I pray for the ones that felt close to you and knew you at one time, but feel really distant as they sit in this place today from you. So as no one is looking around and everyone's eyes are closed, I would love to include you in my prayer if you need to get right with Jesus today. It's who you know. And God wants you to know him as your Savior and your Heavenly Father. 
So if that's you and you want to surrender your life to Jesus today while no one else is looking around, can you just lift your hand up nice and high? Yes, I see you in the red shirt. Yes, I see you right here, front and center. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I see you up the back. Yes, I see your hand. Who else am I waiting on? Who else am I waiting on? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel like there's a little bit of a wrestle today. There's a few more of you that, oh, you know you need to get your life right, but for whatever reason you're feeling anxious and don't want to lift your hand. We want to rejoice with you. Who are those ones? Who are those ones? There's at least three more people, so we're just going to take a moment. Who are we waiting on? Not here to embarrass you. We want to rejoice with you. I'm just going to count to three, and those of you that are still waiting, just lift your hands and then count to three while no one else is looking around. One, you've got this. Two, God loves you. Three, lift your hand nice and high. Yes, I see your hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Up the back, I see you. Yes, here down on the front. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet and just rejoice with those that made that amazing decision today. We are rejoicing with you. We are so happy for you. This is the best decision you could ever make. God is so good. He's so faithful. He's going to align you with the most amazing people to do life with. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want everyone in the room to pray this prayer with me, especially those of you who lifted your hand. But let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to the earth to die on a cross in my place for my sins so that I can receive forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for forgiving me, for giving me a fresh start. Thank you, Lord. Today I declare that you are my father and I am your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.